My name's Hannah Field. I'm a partner within the family team at Russell Cook. Uh, I want to introduce you to some podcasts that we're undertaking called Working as a Team, where I'll be talking to divorce consultant Rhiannon Ford about the type of cases where we work together, the work that she undertakes, and how having a divorce consultant on board can often help with the case and the management of it. I hope you enjoy the podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm uh, joined by Rhiannon Ford, divorce consultant, who have spoken to you quite a few times before on various different podcasts. Today, we're going to be talking about child arrangements and making arrangements for children and discussing how they can play out. One of the things, uh, Rhiannon, that parents often come to me with is that they need to have a parenting plan. They want to make a parenting plan so everybody knows where they stand, which I think is a very useful tool. Um, but often it's it's a practical support that they need as opposed to maybe the legal perspective, like I can put the legal parameters in place in terms of what would what things could look like. But in terms of the actual drafting of a parenting plan, one size doesn't really fit all. And so are you able to provide them with some help and support in, in the drafting of it? Um, yes, thanks, Anna. Yes, absolutely. I think I totally agree with you. I think having some sort of structure um, and even a written document, however informal it is, can be really helpful. So I do encourage my clients to think about a parenting plan. Often clients will say, oh, well, we'll work out the children arrangements between ourselves. And obviously that's great. And it's great while things are going OK, but it's always a good idea to sort of preempt potential hiccups that may come up along the way and have thought about how you might want to approach that in advance so the more you've sort of agreed and discussed in advance I think that can take the pressure off the the parenting relationship um, so there are luckily lots of templates on the internet so the the one that I often recommend people have a look at is the Kafka's um, parenting plan um, template and it can be really useful so even if people don't use that exact one what it does is it can prompt people to remind them about the different issues and topics to think about so as you as you said there's no sort of one size fits all um, but there are going to be some issues and topics that are going to be relevant so for example um, schooling so you know how are we going to approach sort of decisions about school uh, medical treatments another one so those sorts of issues are always going to come up for parents in the sense of their standard issues um, the big sort of thing that that uh, that I work on with my clients is how they want to think about the actual parenting time. So the sort of the living arrangements when the children are going to see one parent, um, when they're going to be spending time with the other. Now, that can vary quite a bit um, between families in the sense of some families are, oh, well, it will happen quite naturally because it can stay more or less as it has been during the course of the marriage, because perhaps one parent was maybe a stay-at-home parent, so they're more available on a day-to-day -day basis to, to meet the children's care, and perhaps the other parent is the main breadwinner might work long hours or, or work away. Mm -hmm. So for those sorts of people, it can actually be slightly easier sometimes to think about the sort of the practicalities of where the children will live and what how they will split um, the children. It sounds, I don't mean split the children, that sounds a bit horrible. <laughs> I but, knew what you, you meant. Know, 
split the sort of the parenting time, I suppose, between the children can be quite straightforward. Um, but for other people, it can be quite challenging. And so often I get asked, you know, what should the parenting arrangements look like? And, and my answer is exactly as, as you said at the beginning, there's not a one size fits all. It's mm-hmm. it very much comes down to what suits this family. But the big test, the important focus is what's in the best interests of the children. Yeah. So what works best for the children and what will meet their needs now and moving forward. So children's needs will change as they get older. Um, as a lot of my clients say, they don't get older as they hit their teens <laughs> to what they are when they're young. So these sorts of things need to be considered. And the other thing I often say to people is, look, please don't worry. This is not, you're not writing this in stone. Yeah. You know, the arrangements can be reviewed as the children's needs change. You're going to need to keep open those lines of communication with the other parent to discuss any changes that need to take place. You know, one of you may be unwell and not be able to pick the children up. You'll need to communicate with each other. So, you know, life gets in the way sometimes of having a plan, but it's good to have a plan and structure as a starting point. Um, so the three for me, I often sort of, if clients want to sort of have a bit of a, an indication of the types of different arrangements there can be for the parenting time with the children. For me, I tend to explain three types that seem to be most commonly used among my clients. Again, there's not one size fits all. So there's the, what used to be known as the sort of traditional type, which only works for some people where the children might be with one of the parents more than the other. And that may be for lots of different reasons, practical reasons, whatever. Um, So that's sort of one model. Another model, which is particularly popular, and I I expect you're probably finding the same, is what what we now know as shared care. So what's lovely about the sort of our generation is that both parents seem to be um, able to be much more hands-on with the children and are much more involved often in the day-to-day care of the children. I think that's just where we're at in sort of 2021 perhaps. And Mm -hmm. so often then there can be a shared care arrangement where the children are more or less sort of, you know, half with one parent and half with another. So those those two are sort of the the most um, common sort of um, approaches. But there is actually a, a third option, which I'm sort of explaining to clients, which actually does seem to be becoming more popular, which is being sort of given the sort of catchphrase of bird nesting, which might sound a bit funny. Mm. So What's bird nesting? A bird nesting parenting arrangement is where the parents move property, not the children. So the idea there is for the children to remain in their home and for the parents to swap, if you like, coming in and staying in the property when it's their turn to be looking after the children. So this can help with not disrupting the children, that it's the children themselves that you know, unfortunately can be sort of packing a bag quite regularly to be moving to a different property. Um, And it can also help if, for example, from a financial perspective, there isn't sufficient funds in our family financial pot for both parents to have equal size properties. Mm -hmm. So it can work quite well if there's going to be a shared care arrangement for the children. But perhaps I've got two clients where 
they've got their family home and as part of the financial agreement, they're keeping the family home. But because they haven't got enough um, funds to purchase an equal size property for the other parent, they've got a smaller property where each parent goes and stays in when they're not then responsible for looking after the children. So it's the children staying in the family home. Um, this can probably only work when the parents get on rather well. Yeah. So um, although I've got, they don't have to stay in one of my um, families. It, they've got a flat. Um, dad stays in the flat, whereas mum's not that keen on staying in the flat, but she's now got a new partner. So she stays with her new partner when she's not yeah. sort of on child duty for want of a better expression. Um, but it's just really explaining the different options to the clients so that they know that they can decide for themselves what works for their family and yeah. what's in the best interests of the children. And they may come up with something completely different, but if it works for the family, and I'm sure like me, I always want to make sure that people know that actually you don't need a court order in place about yeah. what the children arrangements are going to be. You can, you know, the courts have this no order principle whereby they want the parents themselves to work out what's going to work for the children and them as a family so that they, as the court, don't need to get involved. And so the it's important for the parents to know that they've, they've got much more control over this element of the divorce situation to make it work for them which I think is quite important. But yeah, there's there's not a one size fits all. Absolutely. And I think the thing is that I was going to say is that we often say don't be too prescriptive because right at the outset, you don't quite know what's going to happen. But as you say, the key thing is it's in the best interest of the children, best interest of the family. What works for you now may not work going forward. So try and be slightly fluid about it. But start with something basic and then kind of progress with it, as you're saying, different cases of you know, different circumstances. So it has to be, you know, cooperation, everybody working together. Um, that, that's really helpful. Thank you, Rhiannon. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.